Headphones in, everyone. Happy New Year. <laughs> That's really all we're going to say. I mean, if you don't know that by now, right? Um, well, some people are new. They might not know our New Year's tradition. You know, sometimes my mom says this is really funny. It's really cute. She's like, sometimes I just put you and Sarah on and I just like listen to you guys talk. And I think that's really nice. But I also feel like I should tell my mother that anytime we say headphones in, that she should be like, not this one. (laughs) Well, to be fair, we don't always start with such a clear disclaimer, but it is the New Year's Eve episode. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And today we are joined by one of our very faves in, in life and in books. Joanna Shoup is with us. Joanna, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, you guys. Is this your first? This is not your first New Year's Eve episode. You were with us on the Jessica Kane episode. And we will, I'm sure, discuss <laughs> right. like on the Venn diagram of New Year's Eve episodes. Worlds are colliding. For exactly. Sure, for sure. Um, yes, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having well, me. Well, we love having you always. Um, we should explain what the New Year's Eve episode is, though, traditionally. So and it kind of evolved. It was this. an accident. It wasn't like our first thought, but it was an accident. We it had might... Sierra Simone on to talk about something. Pegging. 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 And it happened to coincide with New Year's Eve. And Eric finished like the episode early, so he dropped it like in mid-afternoon on New Year's <laughs> Eve. And then a bunch of people were like, I didn't have New Year's Eve plans, so this became my New Year's Eve plan, like listening to this like raucous, kind of dirty yep. episode. And since then, we have done a New Year's, a sort of dirty New Year's yeah. Eve episode every year. Yeah. We did Just a Cane one year, the whole group of people. Oh, yeah. That was really fun. Omegaversity was last year, right? Right. A lot of discussion of semen. And so I think we're really always, we've been always moving toward this episode. <laughs> um, and we we should say we are joined by Joanna Shoup, who, but really we are joined by Joanna Shoup's alter ego, uh, Mila Finelli. And um, the reason why we are joined by Mila Finelli is because she is a real special, <laughs> She's she has a special affinity for this particular kink. Oh boy! Uh, in her talk- latest book, yeah, oh we're talking about breeding, breeding king. So that's also your content warning. This is where to dip out <laughs> if you're like, "There's going to be a lot of talk about you. semen." Yeah, um, because this is a thing that is real in contemporary romance right now, and yeah. I cannot wait to get into it. <laughs> in always, but real reality. <laughs> I have I have some questions because I'm wondering if we should like draw some boundaries around this. I mean, I don't know, crazy idea. Okay. Just I I found myself thinking like, well, are we going to talk about like it's ancillary? You know, like milking. Are we? Like, you know, like, well, right? I do like, have, like, like we where is it going to go? Where know? are the boundaries? Where are the boundaries? Yes, is right. what we're saying. Are there ever really boundaries? No, probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, but it's interesting because I too was thinking about milking. wait we're talking about milking men or milking women either so okay i was thinking about (laughs) morning glory milking farm this morning who wasn't because it's not particularly like breeding that's going on there but the like semen piece is a part of it i found myself really thinking about it too because everybody knows i like my one of my reading buddies is this guy named ernie 
And Ernie loves gay porn. Because he's a gay man, sure. And he was telling me once about this, like, one, like, really infamous, like, porn movie, like, gay porn movie, where there's, like, like one, like, literally, like, hundreds of, like, literal buckets of cum. Mm. And I was like, okay, like, that's, like, interesting to me, because, like, what is it, like, signify? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in, in, it's like, it's not the same thing. It's not, like, my seed <laughs> the same way, or is it, right? So I think I was kind of thinking, too, like, it really is also, you know, I think it, it's boundary crossing. It's somewhere in there. It's in the Venn diagram, but I think it's on the outer edge. I also think daddy's in here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course. But like only certain versions of daddy. Yeah. You see a lot of crossover in that. Yeah. Uh, you also, you know, before we really get into like the contemporary version of it, though, I think we all have seen it and read it in historicals because any oh, sort yeah. of I need an heir. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's breeding. It, oh, yes. Light breeding kink. <laughs> real light but i mean think about like barely even visible <laughs> <laughs> think about that sherry thomas novel where the two of them um they're they've been estranged and he comes back and you know he's like i need an heir and they basically like hate fuck like every mm -hmm. you know sure. day for like weeks to get him an heir i mean to me like that that's breeding kink. Yeah, well, Lorraine, he is waking up with the Duke. Like, you owe me an heir. So, like, we have a job. Like, any of the we have a job to do's. Right. 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 But it's interesting because you wrote... So, your latest book, Mafia Virgin, is why we invited you to join us for this <laughs> journey, on this journey. <laughs> because you tackle that particular trope really in, a, in yeah. an interesting way because... Yes, the old school historical, like, we need an heir, so let's get it done, is one thing. But your characters need an heir, so let's get it done. But also, then they realize, oh, this is hot. They're both super I'm into, into it. it. Yeah, I, right. I, that's the, what I I'm thought into, was really like, awesome about I'm going to put a baby in you. Right. And she's sort of the studious, you know... Uh, she has no plans she for has, that right now. Right. No plans for that. And doesn't, but she's fascinated by anatomy and psychology. And so for her, it's why does, why does this appeal to me? Why does this turn me on? There's a great moment where she's like, I Googled it. <laughs> and this is why it's hot. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect, Joanna. <laughs> yeah. Which of course, that was the research that I found, you know, of course. As one does. But it's really interesting because I think she, part of why I loved this, the struck, like the characterization of the heroine of Mafia Virgin is that she is all of us in many ways. Like she's this like hyper feminist, like has a plan, like does not want to have anything to do. Like she was born into this mafia family, but like she has no plans to like continue her life in, in the world of the mafia. She is going to become a physician and she is out. Like, she is going to live her life out um, in the world, not related to the mafia. And, like, we all sort of have this. I think anybody who has read, like, Breeding, like, Kink, and sort of it has resonated with them. And I will be the first to admit, like, it definitely does resonate with me. There is a moment of, like, the deep feminism in me is, like, why? do Why? I don't, I don't like that. 100%. 100%. But I also like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> what's happening that's a part like i didn't i will admit i didn't do it like look i read a lot of the stuff because it's like it's so thick on the ground in ku right now hmm, that's kind of gross but whatever thick all over everything it's else not too. on the ground yeah no and they don't waste the it. fertile ground of your womb sarah <laughs> Anyway, now that I've told my mom she can't listen, I was thinking a lot about, like, the politics of this, right? Like, especially in a post-Roe world. Mm. And I was thinking a lot about, like, I have, like, two kind of formative stories in my head. One I've probably told on the podcast and one I don't know if I've ever told anyone because I almost feel like it's a fever dream about things my mother said to me when I was a child, Right. And both of them are about pregnancy. And one of them, this is the one I don't think I've ever told anyone because I feel like, but again, my mom's not listening. And I I don't know how I could have made this up. We were like, I was like 10 or 11, like in middle school. And we're driving in the car. And I have no idea like what prompted this or what made her say it. But in my memory, out of the middle of nowhere, she said to me, well, look, I I would get pregnant at the drop of a hat. So you better be careful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, like, so, like, and I just remember being like, the fuck? I don't think I even thought that, right? I was just like, I don't don't know what to do with that information, but it is, like, imprinted on me. But the other part, and this is the thing where I think of this as being, like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really see your parents as good parents, right? But there's this one moment. They're just parents. They're just doing their thing. Where I really understood that my mom was, like, being a good parent. And that was, there were several, and I'm sure I've told the story, several girls in my neighborhood, my brother was two years older than me, and several girls girls in his class got pregnant and had babies because we were in a Catholic. Right. Catholics, yeah, of course. Right? So my mom and I were standing out on the driveway, and I was 15, and this 17-year-old girl walks by with a baby in a stroller. It was, like, one of my brother's classmates, a girl, like, we grew up with. And my mom stopped and looked at me and said, I just want you to know that if you if you want to have sex, I will take you to the doctor and you can go on the pill. And then there was this long pause and she said, okay, I'm not going to do it, but one of my friends will. <laughs> and, I re- and I remember like really like not wanting to talk about it, but like really deeply understanding at that moment that my mom was looking at that girl and thinking, I don't want that to be you. Mm. And you don't, I want you to know that right now. Well, right? I mean, this is we're in a serious place for this New Year's Eve episode, but also like it's impossible not to harken yeah. back to the Elda Minger episode, the Trailblazer yes. episode with Elda Minger. And I don't know if you listened to this yet, Joanna, but it's really worth it. Elda was the first, as far as we know, the first contemporary romance novelist to put a condom on page, like condom use actually on page. That the 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 inventor of the crinkling foil wrapper, right? <laughs> um, and the reality is, is like when she came on the podcast and we talked to her about that, she said the same, she told a story really similar to that, Jen, where she was like, I grew up, there were a lot of girls who didn't have choices and I wanted to make sure my heroines lived their best lives and that meant having choices. Well, well I actually looked this up because I wanted to know like, thinking along those lines like of the politics and our society and right now the median age of u.s women giving birth is 30 and it's the highest it's ever been on record i bet so to me i mean you like we could go back probably 20 years ago 15 years ago books like this would not have been popular because i think we're just in a different place now where that like idea of breeding maybe kind of against your 
not really against your will, but a little again. I mean, yeah. just the yeah. whole that that's very tantalizing, whereas it wouldn't have been earlier. Well, it's also it is about choice, right? To that point, like the idea that we're looking at 30 as a median age, that means many, many, many more people who are having babies are making choices right to have like overt intentional thoughtful choices to have babies rather than like when we were kids it was like of course everybody was having babies because that's sure. what you did you got married you had babies and like now so maybe there is space maybe there's just more space now for it to feel kinky like i choose this right path in like and so, like, now I can, I don't want to use the word wallow, but, like, I don't know what the word, like, I don't know, yeah. like, wallow around in the breeding of it all. Well, but I also think that the truth is, in a good for way. now more than half the states in our country, you don't have that choice anymore. Right. right? Yeah, that's, or, yeah. Or that choice is they're working to even take away birth control. I mean, so I also think that there's a part of it, like, I find it really compelling the idea that like sometimes the things that we like explore through kink are the things that scare us, mm -hmm. right? Or the things that sometimes we explore through kink are the things that feel out of control. And so it kind of makes sense to me. I think it's some level like right in my like pop psychology dumbass way that like it would be happening now because th this question of like how and when will you be in control of your own reproductive organs if you're if you have a uterus in this country is compromised, right? So, like, of course, this is something that like the genre is playing with in a lot of really interesting ways, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. so, I mean, I don't, you know, I but don't it know. is interesting, right? Because like the genre has been through so many different iterations of pregnancy as kink, right? Like yes. secret baby, the rot, yes. the the, the heyday of secret babies, right? In the eighties right. and early nineties, like. That stuff was also like they people got accidentally pregnant and like kept there was never any discussion of what you could do. Right. Other, like secret baby requires you to have the child. Right. To bear the child. And so I think but that's not breeding kink like that doesn't feel like kink to me at all. That feels like. I think that was making, a lot. You know, I think that was about making families. And I think in the era of big divorce. Right. Like that kind of makes sense to me that like those were like conversations yeah. romance was having. This is a conversation about like actually getting pregnant. Yeah. Right. The, the process of it. Yeah. Right. But right. it's also about a lot more. And that's of course, the stuff that I'm that's like, the fun I'm stuff. interested in the fun stuff for this conversation. I mean, like, obviously. I just Fuck think everybody we can't wants to police bodies. Sure. Right. I just think we can't talk about that without talking about like where we are. Right. Like we yeah. say all the time. Right. Like, so I don't want to make it like real boring, but I I found myself thinking a lot about like, of course, breeding kink is big now. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lucy Morris, author of Snowed In with the Viking. I'm already in. And the reason why is because I love it when a title just delivers the goods. And what I want right now, more than anything, is to leave this recording and go <laughs> read about being snowed in with a Viking. So here's the deal on this. The heroine, Embla, has been lost in the remote wilderness in a snowstorm, which is very bad luck, until she has the very good luck of being rescued by local wild man slash Viking Runar and taken to his cabin where there is 
Well, how many beds are there, Jen? It's one. I'm assuming it's like a bed made of straw or like a cot or something because he's a Viking. I bet there's fur on there. Uh, Obviously, there's fur. Anyway, Runar warms her icy body with his because (laughs) she's cold. Yes. um, From being in the snowstorm and passion inflames them both. But Embla has heard the rumors for years about this wild man slash Viking. But if you're going to be stranded for weeks with one... You uh, should probably trust them and also, I don't know, bang it out. It's going to be great. That's what it's going to (laughs) be. It is going to be great. And the reason we know this is because we have read and recommended books by Lucy before. You have heard us talk about a nun for the Viking warrior. So this is someone who really knows how to deliver. Um, This is one of these great Harlequin historicals. So it's also going to be a really quick, fast read. If you are interested in forced proximity, uh, uh, snowed in, we've already mentioned, romance in the Arctic Circle, <laughs> and a plus-size heroine. Something for everyone here. Something for everyone. Then you should definitely check out Snowed In with the Viking um, by our friend Lucy Morris. You can get it in print or ebook, or if you are listening on a podcast app, you can look right down at your app right now and click the link that you see, and it'll take you directly to purchase this book. Uh Happy New Year. Hope you get snowed in with a Viking. Thank you to Lucy for sponsoring this week's episode. Do we feel like Breeding Kink is as big now as it was like five years ago? Because I feel like for me, it feels like the Alexa Riley, Jessica Kane era, Mm. which is over now. I mean, not that Alexa Riley. Well, Jessica Kane is done. R.I.P. Jessica Kane. R.I.P. R.I.P. You're welcome to come back anytime, Jessa. Uh, everybody, you should know that. If you don't know that, we're telling you now. Jessica Kane has ter- has hung up her pen. And uh, you can still get all the books. But, like, it does feel to me, Jen, like, there is, ha- like, the la- like, what is new on KU is not this. I think what's new, it's, like, the daddy part of it. I think it's that this is a young, it's a younger woman. Right. I don't know. That's an interesting question. But I do feel like the thing that felt super taboo about Alexa Riley and it was Alexa Riley, I think, for me, was the first person. And I think like that's a they're a writing duo and they sort of rose up out of like the churn in KU in the early like, I don't know, five years ago about more. It's got to be more. Yeah. Because they're not even on Amazon anymore. Yeah. The Kelly rule is add two to whatever time frame you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah, so five to seven years ago. And they wrote, they sort of bubbled up out of it. And it was the first time that I had ever read where every single book was like, was like you're I'm going to get you pregnant. Yeah. I'm going to put a baby in you. And then I'm going to keep you pregnant. That's yeah. the other weird thing is like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm like, you're just going to be a baby machine. And like those, those books also had like multiple epilogues. Do you remember that? Like oh, it was yeah. like two and months, two later, years later, five yeah. years yeah. later, 10 baby years later. Baby number three, baby number four. Baby number 42. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, well, and they're billionaires. So no one is ever worried about saving for college either. Right? No, like, no, no. <laughs> right? That's, no. And you got lots of money for nannies. And well, that's it. It's baby making without babies. Yeah. Right. Like unlike secret baby where like that's a family and you have to put that on page. Yeah. Right. Like the the logical end of that. The logical end of this is just getting knocked up. Yeah. We're not talking about the actual pregnancy and like the stretch marks and the everything else that goes with it. The infant. <laughs> right. Right. 
<laughs> the, the crying oh, the 11 year old <laughs> the 20 year old just being like can i take your car all those things <laughs> but don't you think paranormal has a lot of this too like with like the ice planet barbarians where it's you know i've got this thing inside me that has to be you know i'm in heat well for ice planet barbarians it's not that as much as it's like we're literally rebuilding society like this li- this band of like blue breathe. aliens Bye. there's so few of them left and these women are going to crash land and you know they're going to no, resonate is- and faded mates but like having babies means like society will continue but yeah but i think right i hear what joanne is saying though because like cressley like her hero it's gallons yeah. it's gallons oh, yeah. of goo there oh yeah completely and, and like and so i do think like there is it is a continuum now we have arrived at morning glory milking farm yeah it's like cressley was writing gallons of goo but like we weren't processing like we didn't have the words to put to it what we were like thinking like what our like right you know like primordial brain like goo (laughs) was doing during that but now like this is a tag on amazon (laughs) which is so weird well, don't you think that's AO? Okay, because the other question I had is like, oh, where does Omega Craig Mars. fit into this? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that to me is more AO3. Like, anytime there's like tags, I'm like, yeah, but that's because of AO3, not because of Amazon. It is the like data, it's the metadata on these right. books. Okay, so let's get into it. Why? <laughs> why is it so hot? What? Why? Okay. I'm, also, wait, one other thing I have to say before yeah. we get into the, before we get into the why. Sorry, I know I was taking that turn, but. I'm pausing. Okay. The other thing that's in here that we haven't talked about is I got to go bear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. Right? Layers to unpack here. This is (laughs) also hot in a troublesome way. And I think, but here's the thing. I do think for historical, like there is a, there, one of the reasons why historical works so well for so many readers is I gotta go bare. Like, there's just never a condom on. Like, nobody sure. thinks right. about it. Right. No, nobody's false. soaking. They think about it, but like, it's sort of waved away. Right. Because I gotta go bare is a thing. Yeah. And that's all over romance. So anyway, I'm just putting that out there. Like all these things, it's like this perfect storm of like, the reason why breeding works is because it's a little of all of these, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it's very much like a control thing too, right? I mean, I think we kind of a little bit got tired of BDSM. Oh, that's Mm. a good point. And so I feel like this is a control, this is a control thing. You know, in Mafia Virgin, it's, um, it's meant to be more mental really than actually he's trying to you know it's like they just want to talk about it and and you know it's not really meant to be so literal i think i feel like a lot of these books it is very literal Um, no it feels like they're having a lot of fun with it well listen i i did not say i don't know if this was left in the episode because i didn't listen to it but on an earlier episode in a recording i said that mafia virgin might be my favorite of your book of the miller books because and i said this to you via text too like the this hero is a real like i love him has like a soft nuggety center right like he's like (laughs) as like cut from mclean cloth in a lot of ways right like i really love this hero because he feels so like 
rough around the edges, but like even a, you peel back one little like corner of it and like he's just gone for her. And yeah. I love that. But it also feels like they're having a lot of fun. Like when they figure out that they think yeah. this is hot. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's so fun for them. Yeah. Well, and I love the like setup of like neither like it's fascinating. Like it's so brilliant because it's like they both are get really turned on by it, but mm-hmm. like neither of them actually really want to have a baby and get trapped into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like they don't want someone telling them like, you have to do this thing. So it's also like, like being attracted to something that like is so forbidden, like literally, like they don't want it, but they want it. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. maybe talk a little bit, like, did it, did this surprise you or was this always going to be like the plot of this book? Well, I feel like, um, It did surprise me. I wasn't planning on going there. I feel like you do kind of see a little bit of this in Mafia because you see like the forced marriage. Um, Children are the future. And children, right. right. Children to solidify heirs, the whole thing. So you do sort of see, see it a lot. And so for me, because she's so scientific that I wanted to like play with, um, you know, with that a little bit and her fascination with, with psychology and, and anatomy and, and science, why, right? why this yeah. would be so hot, but they are forced to marry. And then they're also told you have to produce an heir within six months. And then that six months gets moved up to three months because, you know, romance sure. reasons. So for me, that was, and then that's, so that's in their heads the whole time that's in their heads that they, they have this like looming date of procreation hanging over their heads. And so I didn't expect it. It just, I don't know. You don't know where, you never know where these things come from, but, but I think, you know, because of KU, I've been reading more and more of the breeding stuff and it just was there and it came out on the page. I think it's also really interesting because the big difference between like Mafia Virgin and then like some of the books where it's just like, the trope, right, is that they don't know that they're going to be turned on by it, right? So, like, they're discovering, and, you know, we've talked a lot before about, like, how would people define erotic romance? And one of my favorite definitions from Jennifer Porter is it's, like, people undergoing, like, a sexual journey together, right? Mm -hmm. Like, essentially figuring out like, oh, we, right, like, we're, do, like, through sex, like, figuring out something about themselves and each other. And I think in that sense, like, this book really works perfectly for that because they are both, like, there's no way we're going to do this. And yet they're both so into it. Mm-hmm. And they, like Sarah said, it's also really fun. Like, they have a lot of fun together. And I do think that that's something I really enjoy in romance is, like, people who, like, find the right partner and start to really have a great time together like, like sex is fun. It's not all just like, you know, like either like this like soul destroying thing or, or, you know, like, I mean, it's fun. And I think that that's what I really liked about the way this plays out is it surprises them too. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, um, I think as a reader, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to believe it, you want to see them having fun with it, Um, you know. I didn't want it to to uh, to be one sided. I didn't because then it starts to feel gross. And um, I mean, listen, I've read those books too. <laughs> I can make sure. I can make recommendations, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I really wanted it to be um, you know something that they're both they're both enjoying. 
Yes. Leaving aside the sort of dark romance, the the books that are edging up on dark romance where like consent is dubious at best, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, like, I think most of these, you know, Jessicaine, Alexa, Riley, the, the kind of, the, the ones who are kind of best known for breeding, um, there isn't a, it's not as dubious in the consent in the, I mean, there are some in each yeah. of them, but like, for the most part, it's like, this is hot. We're both into it. And also, uh, it's happening. Like, I think yeah. your, your point about control, about like the sort of dominance of it and like it, it being, tangential to BDSM is really interesting to me because it is that kind of that is the real sense that you get from these books like there is he will breeding is going to happen but also you're going to be taken like invariably these books are like he sees her one time he's obsessed with her right he's going to keep her and protect her and love her and like it's like the all the hallmarks of the kind of old school historical alpha Plus this new kind of awareness of semen. <laughs> I guess we have to get there, right? I mean, you know, it's interesting because I have thought, I've been noodling this for a while since we decided this was going to be the topic we were going to do. And these like old school books that are, you know, which are like really about, you're right, like the it's like rutting in a lot of ways in like the early, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but like in the early pages of these, in the early sex in these books, right? It just feels like animalistic in a lot of ways, but like never gets to semen. Never gets to any, I mean, like. Like spend is as about as close as we get. And it's never like, it's Nothing never is there. ever, as, ever like, as it is now. No, nobody, it's not messy. There's no like. There's nothing like earthy about it. It's just like, so, you know. But it's also all the language was so coded, right? Like, but like even in the language, Jen, like what is? I guess it is spent. The proof like, of his love. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed. He he knocks on the adjoining door very politely. <laughs> he's already he's in his robe. She's under the covers, right? Yeah, that's, There's just yeah. a hole in the sheet. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> he would climb in as soon as he finished. He'd put the robe on and he'd leave. Right, but I mean, if it's like a velvet cave and his, you know member look his iron member how are you gonna get to like buckets of semen you're not there's no way there's no path from there to there right no so what is it why is semen so hot now in a way that it was and i don't mean hot like sexy hot although maybe i do mean that i mean more like why is it so popular right now semen is so hot right now <laughs> why is that i really think we're working through some things i don't know yeah i don't know either I mean, I think it's tangential proof, right? It's tangential proof of how much he wants you. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's also a, a probably some control issues there too, depending on where it lands and yeah, where it goes. You're and right. I, yeah. That hot, like that sort of the lack, the unraveling. Is it a shorthand for feelings? Oh, you know, Jen and I have talked a lot on the podcast about how, like, there is a feeling problem in romance right now, right? Like, in, in, for a long, for a long time, we were limited by, like, the concrete noun, right? Like, like, in sex scenes or in, you know, wherever, the language would just be, it would be inconclusive, right? But, like, now that we have access to 
jets have come. <laughs> right? <laughs> Buckets. I love that idea that it's control, like the losing control too. Because I mean, that is hot, right? Yeah. Unless it's in his pants, that's never hot. Sorry to me, that's never hot. There's like a way, right? It is. Well, I have written one of those scenes, and it I is largely to. believed one of, to be one of my sexiest scenes. But I'm sorry, I don't. I support I, you. I, I wrote it in in one know. good girl I, deserves a lover. I like um, a guy that like can't. That's yeah. just too worked up and too. I mean, not all the time, but I do like it. You know, I wrote a dude who was celibate. He like hadn't had sex in 14 years or something. So. This week's episode of Fade and Mates is sponsored by Avalon Griffin, author of Unbound by Shadows. So everybody loves romanticy right now, and this is the perfect book for you. And I know that because it's a book I worked on. So this book has um, Celine, who is like super just like chill. Everything works out for her. She doesn't get herself all upset or worked up. She's like really perfected, like kind of being a nice, a nice person. Um which all seems to be working fine until she is tr- magically transported through a portal to a dimension called Aurelia, where she discovers that being nice all of a sudden is getting her in a lot of hot water. Those portals will get you. Exactly. So she meets up with Samael, who she thinks of as kind of an ally because it turns out he's also been kind of kidnapped and brought there and is trying to find a way back home. And so he is also a vengeance demon, which makes his glances towards her very smoldery. Perfect. No notes. Right. And so they're going to go on a quest together, which is like a big fantasy trope that everyone loves to see that world. Um, and uh, to go on the stone that she thinks will like kind of magically transport her back to her world. Problem is, he's thinking it might transport him back to his. Ooh. So maybe he's going to double cross her. Maybe he's going to fall wildly in love with her. Who could t- Who could say? I mean, I think I could probably say, but... Um, <laughs> All right, this one's for anybody who loves a faded mate, who loves it when they fall first, when he falls first, uh, who loves touch her and die. That's my fave. Yeah, and I think the other thing you should know, everybody, is like this is basically like a court of thorns and roses matched up with ice planet barbarians. Who could resist? Uh, people are smashing <laughs> that by link right now, which you can do if you look right down onto the app right now. You'll see a link that you can click. And I'll take you direct to purchase this book. You can get it in print, in ebook, or with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. And thanks to Avalon Griffin for sponsoring this week's episode. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking out of turn. But, like, in real life, has anyone actually felt, like, individual jets have come inside them? See, now, this is an interesting question because I feel similarly like this feel. But that is from old. That is from old. All romance from since the dawn of time. It's been around for a while. It's still used. You could feel like it painting the inside of you. <laughs> we sat headphones in. <laughs> from the jump, there have been ways in which we've described this process that is not really like it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, flooding, you know, flooding her insides. Well, like, like all sorts of things, right? Like so, so many things are codified in romance that... Are, like are known like physiologically to be rare, like constant simultaneous orgasms every time. Right. Yeah. There's, it's something we're in this. It's we're in the semen years. (laughs) As we head into 2024, put it, we went from Navy seals to semen. (laughs) Romance generations. Here we are. NPR call us anytime. (laughs) 
But yeah, I love that. I love your point that, I mean, so here's my, here's my question then, because I keep thinking about what you said, Joanna, earlier about how in historicals, right, like it's, you know, we have to have heirs. But another big common trope in historicals is like the line ends with me, right? So I, so I, I'm also kind of curious about the way in which like in Mafia Virgin, He's playing around with that, too, right? Like, you're playing around with that, too, because Giacomo does not want... You know, he was really tortured by his father and his brother. He was never good enough. He was never, you know, the right kind of mafioso. They just thought he was, like, a big, dumb thug. So, I mean, I think the other thing about this is... That's really interesting is it's sort of, like, this acceptance, you know, that, like, I could be a father. or I could, right, I could be embracing this as, like, a potential future for myself. I right. think in Mafia Virgin, that's yes. true. Yes, yeah, yeah. But no, in no, these right. other books, or, those babies are not important in any, like the product. No, it's the, about, no, no, I would agree. The loaf of bread is not important. What's important is the ingredient. <laughs> right? I mean, like, at no point no, has any Jessicaine hero for any, for even a second thought about parenthood. No, no, of course not. It's always, and they are, you know, they're always, um, I feel like the Jessica Kane heroes are thinking, you know, I want to see her round and swollen with my child and I want to yeah. see her. Well, that's where the milk comes in, right? Boobs like giant, you know, like <laughs> there's, there's like, like that. I want to see her as a fertility goddess, not as. Right. Correct. Not as an actual mother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that's really interesting about breeding kink, right? Because it's like. It's really heteronormative in a lot of ways. Like. Yes. In every way, right? Well, uh, not yeah. though in. Mpreg, like not like I don't right. know what's happening. Again, I still we did that whole episode last year, and I still don't understand the Omega verse. But something's going on over there that's not going on in these books, right? But yeah, it's inc- like so. There's, uh, but I can't get to the bottom of it. Perplexing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me in Mafia Virgin, it wasn't as much thinking about what it would mean when they had kids. You know, there wasn't really like the the thought of what if it really happens it was more the doing um, it right yeah just the doing it i was gonna say i do think that you're on something though about it being really taboo to be like fucking without condoms it's yeah because maybe that's part okay maybe that's part of what's happening here right like leave it like acknowledging all the things that jen has said about like politics in the world and like what it looks like right now in 2023 although i do think there's like a dating thing here like that's happening in terms of i don't know how popular breeding kink is going to be in the next year right the way it was but right. let's hope not as much but let's see i don't know maybe not if jen's right let's hope not as much but leaving aside all of that there is this sort of bigger question of like you can't do this in real life this is like one of the most like fantasy like fictional uh, like, i mean if you choose to do this you are definitely you are very likely going down a path that ends in college tuition <laughs> right right. <laughs> right and if any of these men did this in real life i mean they're monsters Exa- exactly right this is am i the asshole in real life right, right. yeah yeah Correct. I mean, we, the other thing we haven't talked about, nobody has said this word yet, but, like, is virginity, which is also in here. Like, and even, and, like, in the title of Mafia Virgin, but, like, 
this virginity, virginity as like some sort of sexual ideal. Right. Which is romance forever and ever, amen. Like, I mean, that has always been the case in romance. Right. And in mafia, you know, it's that in mafia romance, that's like a big right. prize. Um, they all, you know. Because mafia, as Sophie Jordan likes to say, mafia romance is just medieval romance in a different outfit. Right. Right. So it's literally like having sex and then showing. I mean, I, I really the appreciated sheets. the bloody sheet moment, right? Like, because. Right. You know, that's a real old school way of of looking at it. And so that's all packed in here, too. Like, there's a reason why these are all, like, 19-year-old virgins. Right. So do you think it's also about, like, okay, so going back to the, like, she's round, like, she's round, the bloody sheets or whatever. It's, like, the proof, like, the proof of consummation is public. Yes. So it's, like, a real manhood thing, too. Like, I want to... I want to show off her virginity. I want to show off like that I can get her pregnant, that, you know, she's like round and big with my baby. And well, there's that. There are all those. Is it Jessica Kane who did all the ones where like they fuck in front of her dad? They fuck in front of the priest. Yeah, there were a couple like, of those. Yeah. It's like in front of all of the people who the patriarchy might literally. have control over. Yeah. I mean, all the handmaidens of the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the priest, her dad, her brothers, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. That goes along with it, right? Like the proving. And it, see, that's like where it's harder for me because like why, like what would be the, like virginity so weird to me. I'm not that interested in it as like a topic even, or I'm not, I'm certainly not interested really in it as like a piece of characterization. But it is interesting to me in terms of like, well, what, why? Like, right, like why is like breeding this virgin better than just like any old lady who's, you know, 29 has had a lot of fun in her in her, you know, in the past decade. Like what's right. the right? Because it's like literal, like from from virginity to motherhood with no stops in between. Well, the hero and mafia virgin thinks about that a lot because he's the second child. So he feels like he never was first for anything. So for him, mm. the kink is really being first. Like she's mine. I was first. Mm-hmm. No one else has had her. Um, so I think that's also maybe where some of the virginity stuff comes from in romance. Just the idea of like planting your seed first. Yeah, listen, this is like, I'm sorry for my brain being the way it is, but like here we are. Semen as flag. Yeah. But in in the Jessica Kane one with Alexa Riley where they fuck in front of the priest and I don't remember the name you're gonna have to look at show notes, um, he's literally like they're literally doing it while the priest is marrying them, and he says the hero again no idea what his name is but I will never forget this says um, make me make her my wife while I make her a mother. Oh, wowzer! <laughs> That's super hot. Sorry. It, I mean, right? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but like obviously I think the same thing because I just told you I do not know I do not know the names of those characters. I do not know the name of that book, but I would bet you a million dollars that I have correctly exact exactly remembered that line, right? So yeah. Sorry everybody. <laughs> but it was hot. I mean, I remembered it vividly, right? Very well, hot. Also, can we talk about how and this this goes back to the point that I was making earlier about daddy 
and other sort of ancillary taboos and how they all sort of fit together, right? Like breastfeeding kink is in here. Like right. if you, if the, if the book goes far enough, usually at the end, there's breastfeeding yes. kink too in these. So like, it's all this kind of like, like there are all these taboos mixed together. Like I'm thinking about, there's a QB Tyler. Everybody knows I think QB Tyler's like one, of like a really top notch erotic romance writer. Genius. <laughs> he has a book called Bittersweet Addiction where the here it's doctor patient and breeding kink. And like, so that's in here too. There are a lot yeah. of actually breeding books where the doctor, like where, like the, these edge really far into the erotica side of things, but like, um, where like the doctor, it's, you know, a gynecologist or whatever. Right. And so th this is, none of this is okay in real life, but it <laughs> right. is like particular, like kink is, kink, kink is kink. kink. Right. Right. So I think like the layering of kinks that's happening in a lot of these books, like the heavy daddy books that are also breeding books, like the mafia, you know, the dark mafia romance, that's also breeding um is that like that trope wheel yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh, just level leveling up yeah leveling stepfathers up. you know in front of the priest in front of the dad yeah i mean like virgins like all of this stuff just kind of coming together not to put your final point on it and like there's Emma. so it's all just packed in there now everything sounds dirty. I know. Now I'm like, everything, everything I'm I like, dirty. sure. But you know, if someone's doing their dishes and laughing themselves silly right now, you're welcome. I hope so. I hope their headphones oh, are in. <laughs> well, because it's, it's like, it is like one of these things where I, I am fascinated by it because it's literally like, why is it hot? Like, why is it hot? Like when it, because it is, right? I think it's just really primal too. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Megan Quinn, author of He's Not My Type. Okay, this one sounds like she just sat down and like opened a vein, <laughs> my vein possibly, and just wrote a book for me. So everyone knows I love an unrequited love story, and <laughs> this is so cute. The hero here is a hockey player with a bunch of meddling, like Cupid-playing teammates who have discovered that... Um, the heroes, the girl that the hero has been obsessed and in love with, unrequited, who has never noticed him for the past year, has finally become single and needs a roommate. And so they shenanigan their way into getting these two to living together and then basically coach him on all the ways <laughs> that he can win her over, including things like don't wear a shirt, obviously. <laughs> make her dinner, uh, and lightly touch her shoulder when he says goodbye to her. Um, but he is so flustered by this whole situation <laughs> and so overwhelmed and so completely head over heels for this girl who barely notices him that he just like loses all control and, uh, and offers to fake date her at a wedding to make her ex jealous. Perfect. I have absolutely zero notes on any of this. This sounds <laughs> great. I cannot wait to get my hands on it and read it myself. And so I think this might be perfect for lots of people out there. Yeah, everyone loves a hockey romance. Megan Quinn writes a real banger. If you're interested in He's Not My Type, look down right now and your podcasting app and click the link, and that will take you to a buy link. But to make sure that you understand that 
this book is your type, there is a free audio excerpt of the beginning of this book at the end of the episode. So you can drift right into the new year with He's Not My Type and then check out this great book by Megan Quinn. It is available in print, ebook, or audio, or with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thank you to so much to Megan Quinn for sponsoring this week's episode. But this is romance, right? Like, this is where I come back. I'm back to, like, is it feelings, right? Yeah. Because I think for many people who re- started reading romance when their brains were still mush, <laughs> right? And I, I like Jen and me, and I don't yeah, know, and you, when did you, and you, Joanna. Yeah. Like, if you started reading romance when you were a teenager, and, like, you were building, like, synapses were learning to fire <laughs> as you were reading these books. Right. Like, there is something primordial in these. Like, there is a, like, reptilian brain thing happening when you read romance novels. And sure. as they, as the genre matures and the book, some and some of the books, like, kind of try to be more cerebral and maybe, like, leap out of the pool in a lot of ways and like appeal to a broader audience of readers we are there are fewer and fewer of these like reptilian brain books yeah yeah and the this does that for us and like i think i think everybody on this podcast right now is going like is agrees that like there are some things pretty fucked up about this but also like you find what is hot hot like that's yeah, just right. how it is. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, to me, it's um, it's almost like like an evolution or a twist on the old no, no, no until it's yes. Mm. Which, okay, I grew up reading that, and right or wrong, I th- you know, I enjoyed it. I'm just gonna say it. So, um, but you can't do that anymore. So this to me is almost like a way, a way of twisting that a little bit. Well, and we have, I think, argued that over the course of the podcast that like tropes that have become like sort of too toxic to exist in like a, like a a realistic romance, right? Have found their way, have, have essentially like wiggled around and turned themselves around and found a way to exist in like different parts of the pool like under a different kind of face. Mm, and yeah. so, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, we are constantly making the case that, that you know, that there's a, there's always someone ha- that is, a, you know, because, because sexual relationships and because our society is the way it is and because, you know, gender is the way it is and our exploration of like what that means because of like the way we exist in, you know, our feminist minds and our, but our actual bodies, right? Like, so it makes sense to me that, you know, when it comes down to it, fear, like, like if you have a uterus, like, right, like fear of getting pregnant, like, right, like my period is a day late. Oh, my God. Right. Like, is it menopause enough? Like, right. Like all the ways in which like it really does low key have such an impact on your life. And these are books that like put that front and center. Right. Mm. And and so in a weird but like it, it uh, again, though, like out of your control. Right. As opposed to something you're constantly trying to manage. Yeah. Or the opposite, not out of your control. And like, I do, I mean, like there are a lot of these books where the women are in it. They're like, do it. I'm ready. Again, not thinking about college tuition, but definitely making a choice, right? Leaping into this. 
And you're right. Like there is, I say all the time, like no one tells you when you're 20, how much you're going to worry about. No one tells you when you're like 15, how much you're going to worry about getting your period over the course of your like adult life. Right. And then for the period of time that you are not getting your period, if you are, do choose to have a baby, like then you're spending at least some part of that, like hoping that you don't get your period. Like you spend so much time thinking about your period that to your point, Jen, like there is something really freeing about, I want whatever comes here. This experience is kinky and sexy and fun. And I'm not worried. And it's out of my hands. Yeah. In three weeks, I am not going to be worried one way or the other. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that that like maybe in its purest form, you know, there's like a lot of really interesting conversations that are happening about, um, like on social media, like, right, like you'll see people who will sort of say, like, essentially, like, well, that's the only, you know, I guess conservative Christians, like, that's the only reason if you, anytime you have sex, you have to understand that you could be making a baby, like, that's the whole purpose of it. And then you have people like us who are like, no, the purpose is because it's fun and it's intimate and you mm-hmm. like being with someone. It, that's actually not the purpose. But like, what it maybe in its purest forms, these two things are like joined together, right? Like, yeah, that's fucked up. I yes. read an article. <laughs> I read an article talking about fucked up. I read an article about um, softcore porn being peddled to conser- young conservative men mm. with women on the internet, you know, on social media, projecting these characters where they are these happy homemakers who. Right. Yeah. Did you guys see this? Yeah. The TikTok thing. All these, the like, TikToks. Mormons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just, but the young men don't know that it's, it's fictional. It's cosplay, right? Right. But they don't understand that. So I, I don't know where I'm going with this other than like. They don't understand that like most housewives in the fifties and sixties were on meth. Like, right. right. I, I, you know, the, the thing that's always really hard for me is it's like. We, I think, really have a, like, firm stance that, like, romance readers understand when they're reading romance that they're not reading real life. Mm-hmm. Right? So I guess I'm just always, like, my knee-jerk response, even if, like, is always to be very wary of any sort of argument that starts off with, like, another group of people being really clueless about what they're consuming. Right? And I am I have not read this article. And, you know, I, I do think a lot of people, like, thoughtlessly consume whatever. But it's just, like, a really interesting, like, the way that like my romance reader brain automatically is like, okay, but wait, what if they're really thoughtfully? And then I'm like, wait, what right. if they're thoughtfully consuming the Mormon mom porn, you know? But yeah, like I worry about how reactionary TikTok is. Sometimes I worry about how reactionary these books are, right? Like, because sometimes it does feel like, right? Like there's part of, that's like my feminist brain. It's kind of like, how can I... Here I am, like, spending my entire life, like, worrying about the fact that, like, we've rolled back rights for, like, women younger than us, that many of them really actually are going to be treated like incubators. And yet here I am at the same time, like, loving sometimes and thinking it's really hot, like, the exploration of that as kink. Like, how do, like, my brain hurts trying to make myself understand, like, what is happening up there. And maybe that's just why it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the extension of this, I, I said this earlier, but, like, you know, the lactation piece of this, right? The breastfeeding piece of this. Oh, yeah. As you get further on, right? Like there is you much less of that out there than there is this. But 
you know, one of the things I think about a lot related to that, that kind of romance or like that kink in romance is like, what if this thing that in many ways makes you feel like part of you isn't yours is for pleasure, right? Like, and so I think, and you can claim it as something that you, that is pleasurable for you. Um, And so like, I think, I think this is one of those interesting things. I think like with all of the like complex things that we talk about on the podcast, like it cuts so many different ways. And I'm not denying that there isn't a deeply problematic version of like way to look at this. Right. But I do think in a lot of, in a lot of ways, like there's something very freeing about the idea of like this particular act being super sexy and like not scary. And because it remains scary for people through life. Yeah. Well, as it should be. Like women die in right childbirth or whatever, right? And it is scary. I think this, I think that's I think that's the part of it that's like really compelling to me. This idea that it's like the fearlessness of it, right? But I also think it's interesting. Like we've talked about like some of these big like slices of the pie, like right, there's daddy, and then there's you know, like breeding and then there's like secret baby and then there's virgins and then, but like, there's like a whole subset of like milking, like breastfeeding women kink where they are just like taking like drugs or something. Like they're, they were never pregnant. Yes. Yeah. The so Alabaster like, Cafe. Or yeah. yeah. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and so it's also really Text fascinating notes, everyone. to me. Yeah. It's also really fascinating to me how you can like, like slice up this and like separate or like mpreg, right? Like, separate like it out like distill out some part of the kink and talk about it on its own without worrying about all the other stuff well like right? morning glory milking farm right yes. like and you're just i'm holding up a bottle of like pull and spring but like there is like there is a reason why that book landed right so huge and it's not because it's like a minotaur <laughs> it's not it's because right. of 24 ounces of liquid and like all of us were like what is what happening is happening here <laughs> it's weird i mean like there is just something there's it's our fucked up animal brains it's our, our monkey brain in there just like monkey around yeah i mean just the whole like you know in heat the whole you know gotta do it it's you know the whole it's primal literally right like your brain has nothing to do with it we're the only you know creatures on earth who get in our feelings about whether or not we should be doing this thing yeah right. all right should we recommend some books brown robin i said qb tyler already but let me say it again yeah, qb tyler's bittersweet addiction but if you're in the qb tyler universe you're gonna bump up on you're this. gonna yeah um, yeah. It's not every book, but it's many of them. Yeah. She just really had one release uh, yesterday, I think. Oh, really? And there's one before that that I just finished that is uh, dad's, uh, the best friend, her best friend's dad, uh, who's a formal, former NFL Yeah, I read that player. the other day. The Worst Kept Secret, I think that one mm -hmm. is. That's a good one. Um. My recommendation is um, the uh, Royals of Forsyth University series. The, the It's sort of like mafia, but set in, in college. I'm sorry, Royal Universities. I love it. Royals of Forsyth University by um, Angel Lawson and Samantha Rue. <laughs> and 
the they have each section each frat has its own <laughs> like little kingdom and the one that they're doing now are the princes who are obsessed with creation and breeding and i mean i'm absolutely feral for that series <laughs> so i that's amazing princes of, princes of chaos just terrific so- sure I feel like I, I feel like, so it's interesting because to me, I think, I don't know if I read a lot where like, it's like full on, I guess I feel like Chloe Maine, like Mm -hmm. who is like a Jessica Kane, you can hear it in the pen names, the echo of that name, um, has quite a few where um, it's like kind of starts out as daddy, but like um, Chloe has all of her, um, like the epilogues, you can like download like from her site, like a bonus epilogue. And in every single one of them, um, she's pregnant at the end. So I feel like those like kind of do like to me, it's like a little a little bit lighter. It's not quite all as hardcore as the, you know, the ones or whatever. I'm like Googling right now to see what I've been reading in Kindle Unlimited. Um, There's a great sa- everybody knows I love Saffron Kent. Um, her You Beautiful Thing You is um so saffron's books are all fairly long and like really in their feelings like these are big dark like emotional like heavy this is an intense book this is not a quick read um it's meaning it's not like a you know two hour read um but uh the heroine is like alone and like deeply lonely and she wants to get pregnant because for all the wrong reasons she wants to get pregnant because she wants to have a baby who will love her unconditionally forever and Mm -hmm. so um she decides that she is going to seduce her brother's rival who she has been in love with forever and who like she thought was in love with her for a while and then it turned out like he was only using her to exact revenge on her brother and so she's going to like double revenge him <laughs> um and like get pregnant and then leave him except they sort of fall into the reality that like they both have a breeding kink and then it's like of course super tumultuous and there's a lot of emotion and it's very fun i downloaded a book last night i didn't actually read but i was like wow look at that cover and it is called bread for him by Jenna oh, Rose, which is, I think, is. another, like, Jessica Kane, And this is, like, a pregnant girl, like, kind of all covered in lace on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. And, good. huh? Good. Yeah. And I just, like, I kind of was, like, I'm, like, again, like, I think that these books are, like, it's, like, very, exp- there's no mistaking it, like, what's happening right there on the, you know what I mean? If that's the title and she's pregnant right there on the cover. So, so for those who have not maybe read Jessica Kane mm. mm. t- dip their toe into those breeding kink waters, which one would you guys recommend? I mean, for Aren't me, it's the, mo- it's, the mo- it's the mobster's masseuse. Of course it is. Oh, yeah, sure. I know. <laughs> right. Of course. I'm so predictable. Or suddenly his. Those are my two. God, we did a whole Jessica Kane episode. They are all breeding kink, if I remember correctly. Like, the literally end, sort of, of right okay the one where he says make her my wife while i make her a mother uh-huh. is taken by the russian and <laughs> you would have to buy it on like kobo or apple books because it is not on because it's alexa riley and jessica kane mm. 
you would oh, have right. to and buy Alexa that Riley on, is not on yeah, Amazon, on on Amazon. Right. You'd have to buy it like you know at another another fine purveyor of these titles. I cannot, off the top of my head, remember my favorite Jessicaans, but I will do the research after and put them in show notes. Um, there is also, I will say, Alexa Riley, like the one that I think I read first and I feel like, okay, it was published in 2015, so eight years yeah. is the one. Yeah. That's the number. Um, is Coach. Yep. You can imagine what other taboo <laughs> is in there as well. But there's a whole series and it's like there's a coach one, there's a teacher one, there's a like principal one. And then there's also like Alexa Riley writes Alexa Riley erotic romance. And then they also write as A.R. Taboo. Literally, that's the name, last name oh, Taboo. because Straight name up telling us, right. And that is straight up just like pure filth. Um, so like if you are, if you feel like even these erotic romances are just like not there enough for you, just like sail on over to the Alexa Riley website. And I think you have to buy those direct from their website. <laughs> sure. They're like, nobody will carry it. Yeah. Um, um, the so. other one I would say, the Jessica Kane one I remember is Stepbrother Secret. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, he is a politician. And she is his stepsister. And at the end, I think it's like basically like she's pregnant and they've just told everyone that it's like some guy or whatever, but it's him. So it also is like the taboo is also about like keeping the secret and no one knows. So I think that also plays into that whole like um, I did this like right like I knocked her up like my manhood or whatever. But like also no one else knows like it's it's mm -hmm. this huge Layers Huge. upon layers upon layers. Yep. Of taboo, yeah. And then, of course, there's Chloe Maine, who is right, the third, the Alexa Riley, Jessica Kane, Chloe Maine. Um, Sector, yeah. Yeah. And that one, the one that I remember, he comes, he's a Navy SEAL, and he comes home to find her in, like, hiding in his cabin, and they've met, like, she's basically squatting in his cabin, and that is called Operation Colon Wife Her Up, <laughs> which I think actually does speak to something that we sort of danced around a little but didn't really like put a solid pin in, which is also this like none of these are like I'm going to put a baby in you and leave you. Like, this oh, is no. Like, oh, we're yeah. We're going to get married. No. We're going to get married. Gonna, like, yeah. Live like that's it. It's you forever and ever. Very yeah, heavy, like, very heavy, like mine, mine, mine vibes. Sure. Yeah. It's like forever. I'm going to keep you safe. You're mine. And there's, I mean, it's very difficult to ignore the appeal of that. Like that sort of idea that like somebody will take you, take care of you. Any other recommendations? Did we say everything we needed to about Mafia Virgin? I think one of the other things to me that's interesting about Mafia Virgin is that in Mafia Virgin, they're like trying to get pregnant or right, right. Or they have to. Mm -hmm. Right. But simultaneously, her older sister has had kids and is and is parenting right and so the other thing that's like really a, like again the part that like delineates this from like pure erotica is like the 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 whole problem with mafia virgin is like we think it's hot but like do we really want to be a family like that's like a real push-pull in the text right 
So, and, and she's seeing what this looks like. What does it look like when you give birth to a son and everyone's like, that's the future heir. Like mm-hmm. I'm raising a killer. Right. Right. So I think that that's the other part that makes it, it's so much higher stakes than just like it's sexy erotica. King, and you know? her like intellectual struggle between, I want to be a physician and take like the Hippocratic oath. Yeah. And also you're out here murdering breaking people. people's knees. Yes. <laughs> right. 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 Well, and then if you have a daughter, what does that mean? I mean, right. You know, you're signing her up to be, you know, bartered and traded and, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah. I mean, uh, that's why I think uh, for them, it was, it was important that it was mostly, you know, something they shared that they enjoyed, that it was fictional, but it was not. Yeah. Um. Because I think, you know, in a lot of these books, they aren't really thinking about how they're going to parent together. They're not really no, right. thinking of this man as a actual father. Like, will no. he be a good dad? I don't know. No. Yeah. Will no, he go to I soccer mean, games? Is... I don't know. No, but I, what I want is like next gen Mila Finelli where like all the all the girls are the heads of the ca- the capos. That would be fun. <laughs> all, the men are, all the men are in prison. <laughs> yeah. so the women, The women have to run everything. anyway well we've done it again filled an (laughs) hour just breaking brains out there um happy new year everyone we are new year very thrilled that you are still with us and that you are hanging on for all of our exciting conversations yeah we hope 20 2024 brings everybody the best books that's my wish for everyone. Just really good books. Um, you know, maybe fewer gallons of semen. <laughs> <laughs> Not by much, though. But like, if you like it, then then more gallons of it. It's fine. What, however much semen you wish for. I think the thing, like the the thing that I think is like also really interesting about it in. I mean, it's again, like it's very gendered, everything we've talked about today, right? Like this is not a book, well, like a episode where we're talking about like gender, like, you know, inclusivity or anything. But the thing that's also really interesting, I mean, I don't know if anybody else had this a, a, like thing. And when they, when I first read Morning Glory Milking Farm or saw the title, I thought for sure it was going to be about breast milk. Yeah. And I think there's also something interesting about the way that like it puts like the the production, like whatever this like a man is producing, right? <laughs> into that, into some kind of like frame that like we're not used to thinking about it. Yeah. Right. It's a real like old school, like Vanderbilt Carnegie, Robert Baron kind of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know, man. He who controls the semen controls the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> well, uh, Joanna, thank you so much. What do you have? What do you have coming? This do you do you know what's coming next in 2024, or what we can expect in 2024 from you? Yep, uh, Joanna Shoup has a, a a book coming out in the fall, The Gilded Heiress. Um, more Mila Fidelli mafia mayhem. Goodness coming as well <laughs> lots of stuff so yeah i'll be around awesome thanks um, for well, having me thanks for joining us this is fate of mates i'm sarah mclean i'm here with my friend jen prokop and joanna shoop and joanna shoop slash Finelli. um joanna where can people find you 
uh, joannashoop.com and milafinelli.com. Perfect. You can look below in show notes and find a collection of Joanna slash Mila <laughs> books that we love, along with many of the books that we talked about today and some that we did not remember the name of, but we'll sort that out. Taken uh, by the Russian, everybody. I looked it up. <laughs> awesome. You can get to, you can find more of us at fatedmates.net. Um, we are on Twitter still at fatedmates. We are on Instagram at fatedmatespod. We are trying really hard to be on threads at fatedmatespod. Um, and you can also join us on our Patreon uh, at fatedmates.net slash Patreon. Thank you, as always, to all of you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors for sponsoring. Thanks to Joanna slash Mila for joining us. This was the best. You guys are the greatest. (laughs) You guys are the greatest. Only only with you two can we have a very serious discussion (laughs) about the quality of quantity of semen and reading. What it all means. Right. Right. Both both that it's hot and what does it all mean that's our specialty here (laughs) why is it hot what does it all mean exactly um thanks everybody happy new year happy new year chapter one halsey want one odin asks holding out a piece of gum to me i'm good i answer as i focus on wrapping the blade of my stick with tape he leans back against the locker bench and sighs heavily. Do you ever get nervous before a game? Odin O'Connor was our newest acquisition this January. The front office made some moves to stack our team leading into the second half of the season, and one of the biggest ones was O.C. With Rivers' recent knee injury, O.C. was the perfect fill-in. Although, on the younger side, he has impressive puck-handling skills and powerful legs underneath him. No, I answer. Not really in the mood to talk, but also not wanting to come off as an asshole. Why? You nervous? Yeah. He crosses his arms over his chest. I only get nervous on special occasions, though. This is my first home game with the agitators. There's that unsaid pressure in the air that I have to prove myself. Proved yourself last game with a goal and an assist, I say, as I snap the tape off and check my blade, making sure to secure the tape. Nah. It takes time to earn the trust from the fans. He leans forward, resting his arm on his legs. I know trust doesn't come easy, especially when you're filling in for a team favorite. I glance at O.C. and notice his tight shoulders and the worry on his brow. He hasn't spoken to many of the guys on the team. I know Posey was trying to get to know him the other night, but couldn't break through his shell. He's kept to himself a lot, but I've seen this tactic before. He's easing himself in. I can tell he has a fun personality just from how he skates around during warm-ups and from his previous interviews, but he's holding back as he immerses himself into the team. Probably smart. Don't put added pressure on yourself that's unnecessary, I say. He glances over at me. You're telling me if you were in my position, you wouldn't feel the pressure of proving yourself? Hmm. Great question. If I were in his skates and traded mid-season to a new team... I'd probably feel the pressure, but I don't think I'd let it get to my head, not how it seems like he is. I would, I answer honestly. He nods and pauses for a moment before turning toward me. Jesus, I half expected you to tell me you wouldn't feel the need to prove yourself and get my head out of my ass. What kind of pep talker are you? What? I ask, surprised by the liveliness in his voice. See, I knew something was in there. 
Eli Hornsby walks over and pats O.C. on the shoulder. Leaning on the wrong guy if you want someone to tell you to take your head out of your ass. Holmes is on the gentler side. If you want someone to give it to you hard, ask Taters. He'll punch you right where it hurts. Not since he's fallen in love. Pacey, our goalie says, as he pulls up a chair and sits in front of me. We've all softened since falling in love. He looks at Eli. Especially you. He's not wrong. Hornsby is completely gone for his girl Penny, and now his little boy Holden. Oh, fuck off. You're the softest of us all. Eli says to Pacey. I might agree with that. It didn't take Pacey long to fall for Winnie. They're now engaged. Nah. The softest? That would be Taters. Silas Taters, also called Potato by Winnie, a nickname that has now started to catch on in the group. He's one of our wingmen, and fell fast and hard for Ollie. She now lives with him, and we barely see him. So, all of you have girls? O.C. asks. Not our friend Holmes. Eli pats me on the back with a knowing smile crossing his lips. Although, there's a girl he wished... Can you shut the fuck up? I ask, knowing exactly where that was headed. Jesus Christ, I never should have told these idiots about my crush on Blakely, because they haven't been able to shut up about it. They think in some miraculous fashion, if they talk about it enough, she'll become single, and I'll get my chance. Manifestation, they tell me. They're all fucking morons. Blakely is not breaking up with her boyfriend. She's madly in love. Something I've not only heard from the source itself, but also from Penny and Winnie. And because of that, I've moved on. A crush is just that, a crush. I can walk away from it. At least, that's what I'm trying to convince myself. You have a crush? O.C. asks. On whom? Great. Now the new guy's involved. Feeling the tension grow in my shoulders, I say. Doesn't matter, she's... Halsey! My name is projected from the hallway, drawing all of our attention toward the locker room entrance. Halsey! The scream is shrill, practically at a pitch only dogs can hear. Halsey! What the fuck is that? Hornsby asks. Is that Posey? Pacey asks, just as Posey comes barreling into the locker room, looking slightly disheveled and breathing heavily. Halsey! He repeats, this time out of breath. What the hell is going on? Hornsby asks before I can. Posey hangs on to the open doorway while his lungs work overtime. It happened. What's happened? Pacey asks. Posey presses his hands to his knees while bending over. The fucker skates for a living and he's out of breath. That doesn't bode well for our defense. Fuck. The adrenaline. He mutters, then stands tall again. Hands on his hips, he says. The news we've been waiting for. He takes a few steps into the round locker. With a bizarre expression of glee, he announces, The time has come. We all look around at each other, trying to see if anyone understands him. That would be a no. The time has come for what? Hornsby asks, his patience wearing thin just like the rest of us. Stop being a nitwit and fucking tell us. Silas says, walking up to the group. When did he get here? Posey looks me dead in the eyes with a huge smile and says, She's a free woman, man. Silence falls over the locker room once again, as we all attempt to decipher what the fuck he's talking about. Did he eat some bad bologna? Finally, Pacey, while pinching the bridge of his nose, says, For the love of God, make sense. I am. 
Posey says in defense. Blakely, she's a free woman. Wait, what? Blakely? Free? As in, holy shit, Hornsby says while gripping my leg. Dude, who's Blakely? O.C. asks, looking confused. You have to ask her out, Posey says, approaching us now. Want me to formulate a plan? Yes, a plan. That's what we need, Hornsby says. We could do a flash mob, Posey suggests. Over my dead body, Silas replies. Don't be a douche about it. Just ask her out. Don't be a douche, Pacey asks with a shake of his head. Coming from the guy who had to fake date someone to fall in love? You fake dated someone? O.C. asks. What the hell is going on here? It's simple, Posey says, leaning against Pacey's chair. Pacey here was the start of the love train. He fell in love with a hopeless wanderer up in Banff. Her name is Winnie. And she got lost in the woods, stayed the night in Silas's cabin with the rest of us like the true champ that she is, and Pacey peed on her, said she was his, and now they're engaged. I didn't pee on her, Pacey interjects. That brings us to Eli Hornsby, our former ladies' man. Coming from the biggest ladies' man on the team, Hornsby says, gesturing to Posey, which, that's facts, he is. He just doesn't get called out for it. Posey continues. On his birthday, he was looking for someone to bang, and he found Pacey's sister. Can you not say it that way? Hornsby asks. And he got her pregnant. Posey says with gusto, the fucking storyteller of the group. It was a long road for them. Jesus, the amount of time it took for Eli to finally realize he could give in to loving her. Some might say the author of his story could have cut out the last 15% and everybody would have still been pleased with the outcome. Not everyone can magically fall in love like Pacey, Hornsby complains. Love isn't always perfect all at once. You have to earn it. Ignoring him, Posey moves on. But with Penny in our life, we met Blakely, who works for the team in VIP sales and marketing. We got to know Blakely even better when she filled in for Penny during her maternity leave. I thought our friend Halsey was next when it came to hopping on the love train. But nope, Silas pops in with a fake dating relationship with... Posey leans in and whispers, A girl ten years his junior. You're an idiot, Silas says. And he almost didn't win her over. But thanks to my clever text messaging, he now has a live-in girlfriend, apparently the best sex he's ever had. Dude, be respectful. Silas growls. Posey holds his hands up. Your words, not mine. He smirks like the dick he is and continues. But this entire time we've watched Halsey slowly grow more and more infatuated with Blakely, trying to pretend he doesn't care about her or by masking late nights with random women. But we all know he wishes those women were Blakely and that he could hold her hand and go home to her warm, tender arms and bury his head right into her ample. Enough, I yell. Posey continues to smirk. And today, fellas... Well, today is the day. Halsey Malachi Holmes is finally going to ask her out. All the boys turn toward me, 
their waiting faces ready as if I'm about to raise my pointer finger and proclaim that today is the day. Not going to fucking happen. I shake my head. No, I'm not. And my middle name isn't Malachi? Posey's gleeful expression falls flat. What do you mean you're not? Dude, she's a free woman. Ask her out. Ooh, who are we asking out? That very familiar female voice, who haunts me late at night, says as she enters the room. Motherfucker, did she hear us? My face turns B-red as Blakely steps up to our circle, looking so fucking beautiful, in a pair of dress shorts with a white blouse tucked into her waistline. Her three-inch heels make her legs look so damn long, it's almost as if they have no end. Will I ever stop getting butterflies whenever I see her? Probably not. I'm doomed. Silence falls over the locker room as all six of us idiots stare her down, the realization that she could have heard the whole conversation hitting us simultaneously and causing us to scramble to find our words. Pacey's lips seal shut, and his eyes widen as he looks at me for answers. He's no help. Silas crosses his arms and grins, probably enjoying this far too much. Eli shifts next to me, bowing his head and almost trying to sink back into nothing as if he was never here. Count him out as well. And then there's Posey, mouthing, She's here. She's here. While subtly pointing to the side, right at her. I know you fucking moron. I have eyes. Did I interrupt? She asks, looking insecure now. Christ, someone needs to say something. Anything to make it seem like we weren't talking about her. Because the longer this silence goes on, the easier it will be for her to believe we were talking about her. Which we were. I take one more look at my boys and realize they have all abandoned me. What fucking friends they are. I rack my brain for something to say. Anything that makes sense. But I come up short. And that's when a bead of sweat trickles down my back, making me painfully aware of just how awkward and uncomfortable I am. Uh, you know. O.C. chimes in, immediately making him my favorite. We were talking about a girl I know. What a fucking champion. I'm Odin O'Connor, by the way. Blakely White. She says, leaning in to shake his hand. Her long brown hair brushes near me sending me into a near-catatonic state from the lavender scent. It's so nice to meet you. You too. He says while dropping her hand quickly. Blakely then looks at Posey and says, What happened to you? We were talking with Camper over in marketing, and you just took off in the middle of a sentence. Jesus Christ, Posey. He nervously smiles and says, Bathroom emergency. When her cute nose scrunches, he adds, False alarm. But glad I hustled. You know, just in case. Sorry about that. I think you were saying something about moving out of your apartment because you broke up with your boyfriend? That's when he cut out and left? Right when she was talking about her breakup? Could he be any more fucking obvious? Blakely sighs heavily. Yeah, I had to find a cheaper place. You, uh, broke up? Eli asks. Penny never said anything to me. And this is why I like Hornsby. He'll wiggle out the truth in a conventional, non-evasive way, unlike Posey. I haven't really said anything to anyone, Blakely says. Which seems weird that I'm talking to you guys about it, but yeah, we broke up a few weeks ago. I know Penny's been busy with the baby, so I didn't want to bother her. 
Anyway, I found a new place, but this morning the pipe above my apartment burst and flooded my place. It's been a nightmare, but you don't need to worry about that. I came here... Where are you going to stay? Posey asks. Clearly not there. Oh, uh, trying to figure that out. Does Penny know? Eli asks. I'm sure she would offer up our place. Or ours. Pacey adds, knowing Blakely is also good friends with Winnie. Silas scratches the back of his neck and says, Ollie would probably do the same. Blakely shakes her head. No offense, Eli, but not going to room with an infant. I love him, but not that much. And Winnie and Ollie would offer, but I'm also not going to stay with two happy couples having sex every chance they get. Understandable. Holmes isn't happy, and he doesn't have a lot of sex. Posey says out of fucking nowhere. Uh, what? Blakely brings her attention to me with a tilt of her head. Not having a lot of sex, Holmes? Kill me? Kill me right fucking now? I mean, he has sex. Posey interjects. But not like the other guys, you know. He's not a virgin, if that's what you're thinking. Far from a virgin. Although there was a point in time when I wondered if he even had genitals. Shut up, Silas mutters, thankfully. Right. Posey clears his throat. Anyway... He has a spare bedroom, and he's not part of a happy couple, and for all we know, he doesn't have an infant, so, you know, you could stay with him. What the actual fuck is he doing? Blakely, stay with me? I can barely look at her or talk to her. Sharing a living space would probably send me into a nervous breakdown. Are you his landlord? Blakely teases. More like his hairy godmother. Posey makes himself laugh. And only himself. Either Blakely is being polite, or she's unaware of the tension building in our circle. As much as I love Posey for everything he is, he's putting me on the goddamn spa right now. I'm pretty sure it's not something I can handle. Hell, I know it's not something I can handle. What if she accepts? What the hell am I supposed to do, live with my crush? How would that fucking work? Me walking around the apartment, stumbling over my words, and trying not to stare at her too much while she lives her life... Probably taking on the opinion that I'm some sort of a goddamn nutjob? No. This cannot happen. Not to mention, there's no way she would ever live with someone she barely knows. She has a good head on her shoulders, so she'll probably find a hotel or... Is it a real offer? She asks. My gaze snaps up to hers, and from the corner of my eye, I can see Posey's obnoxious smile. The satisfaction that must be running through him right now. Huh? I asked, blanking completely. The offer to stay at your place, is it real? She can't be serious. No way does she want to stay with me. She barely knows me. Sure, we've talked here and there, and I've told her she looked beautiful in her dress a couple of times. But stay with me? She might be desperate, but not that desperate. It is, Posey says. He was telling me the other day that he wishes someone could water his bonsai tree when he's on away trips. He's always worried it will die when he's gone. What the fuck is a bonsai tree? Don't you have to spritz them with water gently? She asks. You would think, Posey says. But I believe Holmes lets his soak up its own water, don't you? Where the fuck does he come up with this shit? Uh, yeah, I answer, like an idiot. And he has the cutest name for his tree, too, don't you? Posey asks me. Why is he doing this to me? Have I done something to hurt him? Have I somehow embarrassed him in a way that I'm unsure about? 
Is this revenge? Sherman, right? Silas asks, getting in on it. Oh, look who's dead to me as well. Posey and Silas, both dead to me. Aw, Sherman is such a cute name for a plant. She smiles that smile that haunts me in my dreams. The one that grips my balls so fucking tight that I almost can't breathe around her. His pride and joy, Posey says. And given the drought scare he had with Sherman a few weeks ago, I'm sure he would love someone to look after him. Blakely locks eyes with me and says, Well, if you truly want someone to watch over him, I'm your girl. I could use the room because the hotel I'm staying in tonight is way more than I can afford for weeks on end, and I'd pay you for rent. He doesn't need your money, Eli chimes in. He's loaded. The man has one of the best contracts in the league. Not necessary to put out there, but yeah, it's true. Okay, well, I can take care of Sherman for free. That's if you'll let me. Everyone in the circle turns their attention to me. I swear this feels like I've been sucked into an alternate universe where professional hockey players have pet bonsai trees with old man names and toss around spare bedrooms like candy. I woke up this morning thinking I have a game to prepare for, and that's it. Now I might have a temporary roommate, but not only that, a roommate whose beauty and sweetness make me fucking lose all sense of myself. Eli nudges me with his elbow and I clear my throat. Uh, yeah, that would be cool, I say, even though I can feel my entire body break into a full sweat. Amazing. Blakely brings her hands together, grateful to me for saving her day. Let me have your phone so I can plug in my number. I'm shell-shocked, still unsure how this happened. So Eli grabs my phone from next to me, flashes the face ID at me, and hands it over to her. She types her number in. And when I look up at Posey, he's giving me a thumbs up while wiggling his eyebrows. I hate him so much. Here you go. She hands me my phone back. I sent myself a text, so I have your number too. Oh, wait. She reaches for my phone and taps away on it before holding it up and taking a picture of herself. There. Now you also have my picture as the contact. Yeah. I won't stare at that all night. I hate when it shows up as just the initials in the contact. She hands me back my phone. I have the hotel for tonight, but I'll move in tomorrow. Thank you so much. This is a huge lifesaver, not to mention wallet saver. Yeah, sure. Of course. I say while shifting uncomfortably. Okay, well, I came in here for Pacey. Would you be able to meet us in the media room? There's a family who made a wish to meet you, and I want to brief you. Pacey stands. Sure, no problem. I watch them leave together, and when they're out of sight, I look straight at Posey. What the fuck was that? Uh, me doing you a favor? A thank you would be appreciated. That is not doing me a favor. I lean back on the locker bench. That is setting me up for failure. How is that setting you up for failure? I don't know. I say sarcastically. How about the fact that I can barely talk to her, let alone look her in the eyes, or that I don't want to have her as a roommate because I have no fucking clue how to handle that, or that I don't have a fucking bonsai tree or know where to even get one? Yeah, I went a little loose on the bonsai tree, he says while rubbing his palm against his jaw. But come on, this is your moment. She's a free lady and now indebted to you. What more can you ask for? I don't want her indebted to me, I say. Jesus, that's not how... That's not how I want to handle this. And how do you want to handle this? 
Eli asks. Because as far as I know, you'd never make a move. You don't know that, I say defensively, even though I think it's true given my current state of life as a hermit. Call it gut instincts, but I was ready to ask her out when I first met her. Then the more I got to know her, the more I realized she's way out of my league. She's bright and fun and free. I'm the complete opposite. I can't even remember what fun is. I live to play hockey, and when I'm not playing hockey, I escape into books. I keep a solid regimen so I don't have to think or battle the thoughts in my head. I don't know how to be any other way. I don't know how to survive any other way. And throwing Blakely into the mix as my roommate, that will mess everything up. I can feel it already. You wouldn't have ever asked her out, Silas says, arms folded. Sorry, but it's true. I usually don't agree with Posey and his shenanigans, but I kind of agree with this move. Thank you. Posey bows, like a moron. Just doing the heavy lifting over here. I'll take thank yous whenever you want to toss them my way in forms of cash or baloney. The only thing you're getting from me is a trip to the plant store. You got me into this mess and you're going to help me get out of it, I say. Get out of it? Posey shakes his head. Oh no, we're going to find a way to make this permanent. Mark my words, you and Blakely are going to be boyfriend and girlfriend by the end of the season. There will be so much kissing in your future that you'll beg me to clue you in on what kind of lip balm I use to keep things so fresh. You're an idiot, I say, blowing by him and heading straight to the restroom, where I might dry heave because holy shit, Blakely will be living with me.